Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, new normal? What new normal? Edouard hits a hat-trick, Levy can't win away and the McInnes Out Club is in full flow. Meanwhile, Rangers raise the roof and Ross County upset the apple cut as David De Gea's men, sorry, Stuart Kettlewell's men, down the well. I'm Andrew Slavin and as ever I'm joined by my best friend in the world from the <laughs> Telegraph. JJ Bull. Hello, Andrew Slavin. I've got a question yes. for you. Yes, it's not a question. I want you to sum up the weekend in the shortest sentence you can think of. Uh, welcome. I was thinking how nice <laughs> it is to have it back. It's quite relaxing. I did it even in one word, even. Do you think it's so good to have it back? I've watched so much like German football and English football and all that. And yeah. uh, it's something quite comforting, especially living not in Scotland, to have Scottish football back and be able to see oh, pictures also because of it was. Live. It was the only football that was on. You know, there's no other there's no other leagues that are happening right now that anyone's paying attention to, especially in Britain. So it was nice to have the spotlight on it, um, good and proper. It was nice. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just it's just been a lovely time. It's been a lovely time. <laughs> well let's get into it. First up, there was a big shock in Dingwall. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. penalty from Ross Stewart and Ross County are off and running no saving that one we start on Monday night where the first shock of the season was had as potential relegation candidates Ross County stunned Motherwell with Ross Stewart scoring the only goal of the game from the spot joining us now is someone who was allowed in at Dingwall to soak up that rich atmosphere and he was at Tanadice on Saturday as well it's the Times the Sunday Times and Mail on Sunday writer Benji Palmer how are you Benji and how was the the weekend football is back but with no fans oh, it most certainly is back um, we've kind of felt left out north of the border watching the Premier League um, for the last month or two so it's good to get some some proper Scottish fat bar back as we would say um, I think it's been three red cards in three days. I mean, I've saw two red cards in 180 minutes. So, <laughs> it, it, it well and truly is back. What was it like without any fans reporting on the game? It's a bit strange, is it not? It's just weird. I mean, it's not the same sort of press facilities you would normally have where you would be sitting with a desk in front of you and you'd be sitting with your power and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we're spread out across these stands with the laptops on our knees and sort of notepad in one knee and I Is try right? to hold a pen and try to balance it. It's it's far from <laughs> ideal. The weirdest thing about being up at Ross County last night was that they played fake crowd noise over the tannoy. Um Did they? So like so I mean at least like when you're watching the T V stuff and the, I mean, it's not great. I mean, but they're playing this sort of FIFA soundtrack, and it's it's, it's it actually <laughs> reacts to the, the the product. Whereas last night it was just generic crowd noise for ninety minutes. So every so often a cheer would go up, and you'd look up from your laptop. But actually, <laughs> but actually nothing has happened. The ball might have trickled out for a throw-in. So I mean, it, that was completely and utterly surreal. But I suppose it's the it's the new normal. Did they not do that at Tanadice? Because we know you were there as well. 
No, no, there was none of it at Tanadice. Um, I mean, to be fair to Ross County, it was two penalties last night and um, we turned the generic crowd noise off until he hit the penalty or they hit the penalty and then just turned on, well, celebratory music for County and then just returned to generic crowd noise um, after Motherwell missed their penalty. But there was none of that at Tanadice on Saturday. It was, it was just weird, kind of awkward silence and... You, you kind of hear everything that the managers are shouting down below you. Aye, on that, I mean, what kind of stuff were you hearing? Is there any teams you noticed who are more vocal than others? Any players who are a lot more shouty than you thought they might have been? Well, I mean, St Johnston and Dundee United was interesting because it was two new managers who you don't really know much about in, yeah. in terms of what they're capable of. Uh, Mickey Mellon, although he's Scottish, has, has never actually managed here, so you don't know what to expect from him. And what he was very keen on um, you see, every time the ball would go out, he'd be screaming reset or restart. And having spoken to the Dundee United players after the game in the post-match media conference, um, they were saying this is something he's drilled into them over the last month or so. Now, it's it's not one of those things you would necessarily pick up on if fans were there. I mean, if you hear the manager shouting reset or restart once or twice a game, you're not going to flag it up. But because it was every minute or so, Constantly shouting reset, restart. I mean, it, it was one of those strange things that, that you actually picked up on. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Was there anything else you've, you've noticed? That, which teams adapted best to it, do you think? Well, I mean, count, <laughs> did you watch a game last night, JJ? I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was actually blown away by just how good County were. I mean, so was David De Gea, apparently. But, <laughs> I mean, County were playing absolutely brilliant football. Um, Motherwell looked a bit slow, but, I mean... Pfft, it's not like these teams are lacking effort or application or even motivation. I mean, j- just because there's no crowd there, there's still plenty of venom and spice to the games. So, yeah. so I mean, so yeah, the, the tempo's there is what I'm trying to say. I guess it was a surprise that Motherwell lost last night. I think a lot of people in the Fantasy Football Scotland were hoping Motherwell would do quite well. Um, <laughs> I thought they were a better team. Honestly, yeah, I, I that's think. the thing. I, I, think, I think Motherwell were unlucky in the end and they should have put away their penalty. Uh, it's, a, it's a game of opinions, isn't it? Because I thought Ross County should have been out of sight by half time, and then I mean, this is another thing. Ross County, because it's such a small stadium, um, you're quite low down the press box, so you don't really get a n- real feel for the entire game. It can be difficult to work out exactly what shape the teams are playing in that. But I mean, Motherwell. What surprised me about Motherwell was um, David Turnbull was making his first start since. May last year and I think he scored a double in that game and we were kind of playing him off the left in the first half um, and he, he always looked far more dangerous when he cut inside and I think Stephen Robinson made changes at half time bringing him in, into the inside and I think his his positioning had a lot to do with the flow of the game after the break Benji Palmer writer for the Times Sunday Times and Mail on Sunday JJ, quick one on um, Stephen Robinson. Big rumour that he was being touted uh, maybe for an interview for the for the Bournemouth job now that Eddie Howe has gone from there. But I think I've heard him kind of kibosh this, that he's had no interest and nobody's been in touch with him. We should also say, JJ, Bournemouth, Bournemouth is a much bigger job than managing Rangers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jamie O'Hara speaks many words of wisdom as a man who has definitely, definitely watched Scottish football ever in his life. <laughs> Fair it's play a, to Ali It's a Brexit thing to say, isn't it? I mean, you can have whatever opinion you want on, yeah. you know, on Brexit, whatever you think. 
but that kind of mentality where um, England is best and the Premier League is best and everything else is uh, not the not as good. It's very, I think, it's very narrow-minded. However, uh, clearly the Rangers' job is massive. They've got European football. It's enormously supported around the world. Yeah. I mean, Bournemouth Stadium, what do they, what's their average gate? Like 15,000, something like that? It's not... Maybe less than that. Yeah, I don't think it's really comparable, to be honest. I think Rangers is a huge club. It just happens that Bournemouth have been playing in the biggest league in the world. But they are, I mean, they're in a lot of financial trouble, Bournemouth. Their wage to turnover ratio is something like 86%. I might be just slightly mm. off there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason they went up the leagues is not only because Howe is obviously a good coach before he left, but um, they had the highest wage budget in in the divisions when they're going up the way. So they're not in a great place. I think anyone who takes over there needs to do so cautiously. I think Stephen Robinson uh, would raise his profile where he to go somewhere like Bournemouth, but I would imagine he could pick... I think he can wait a little bit of time. His stock's going to be high. I don't think he can afford to wait another whole year. I think this season would be the time he needs to grab onto uh, an opportunity that he gets. In a similar way that if you look at like McInnes at Aberdeen, I think his stock was a lot higher about three years ago, two years ago, and that's maybe when he should have gone. But the only offers that came in, or didn't apparently, were Sunderland and, uh, and rumoured to be Rangers, but also not rumoured to be Rangers. So... Yeah, I like. I hope Robinson doesn't go. I really like him as the Motherwell coach. I think he's he's such a great coach. Like, I really like him a lot. Quick word on the battle of the new managers at Tannadice then, JJ. Uh, it was a sixth-minute penalty that got United's goal while St Johnston saw red just at the end of the first half, but they were able to get it back through Liam Craig. Absolute belter of a strike, to be fair. Did you watch any of these games? I have watched all the games on triple speed. <laughs> And I've seen three of them at normal speed. So yes, I have seen all the games in a way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know you you paid for this one, right? As part of this whole yeah. shambles with uh, pay per view and all the nonsense. Tell me about that experience, please. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a shambles as such. But if if you had subscribed to Dundee United TV um, to watch the game, I didn't watch any of the the build up to the game. But um, I was quite surprised to to see that the feed was basically the BBC Alba feed. Full, filled with graphics and all that stuff, which was nice, um, but then had to listen to it in Gaelic, and I don't understand Gaelic. And I was like, anyway, they cut, they cut the commentary, so it was just atmosphere, um, just at, uh, atmosphere from the ground, which was which was nice too. And then I saw on Twitter that there was a mistake with the commentary. There was supposed to be Dundee United commentary on it, blah blah, which they did get. Oh, in it about wasn't the meant to be sixty fifth minute. No, it wasn't meant to be in Gaelic. It was just it was just a technological error. Um, I'd really but, like if like different regional places did their regional accents like Aberdeen like or a uh, Cove or something that had really thick Doric going on. <laughs> like, aye aye, fit a goal, I mean, I, that that. I can still watch a game in Gaelic, but I was just I was expecting more from my twelve pound fifty, um, or or expecting something else. That's for sure. Isn't but um, one thing, football games though, it always seems like it's never worth the money. I mean, Benji was right when he was talking about Mickey Mellon going about talking about resetting, and he, he says he says we go again a lot, um, and that's purely because he he wants a lot of energy from his teams, and he wants his teams to be alert at all times, which is the right way to be. Um, I thought he was. I thought that United were really direct, um, mm-hmm. kind of hoofing it up to the channels. I think they a played a the time, different but... system than expected as well. It was like a back three and had a... I thought we were going to play a straight 4-4-2. Four, four, That's what Mellon is usually going no, for. No, I think, I, think, I think they did for the most part. I think it was... Um, uh, was it? Oh, I need to get my I can't see the shape. Like a, the Wisecout report says that it was a, a three, but when I watched it, it seemed like it was a four, but a five different phases. And it makes sense to me if he's focused on the defensive side of the game by this reset thing, making sure that they're in position because any slight 
judgment or misjudgment of, of, of a position from a even a throw-in could be the thing that decides the match, right? Yeah, I think so. But I think what Dundee United were, where they were quite fluid with that formation. So they had Liam Smith and they had, um, I think, is it Jamie Jamie Robson mm. on either side. Um, I, I really was really impressed with Jamie Robson in the first half, getting forward. I think he's quite quite interesting. And Smith had also had a good game. Um, but it was a definite penalty. They took the lead and they probably should have won the game. Um, Lauren Shankland had an absolute wonderful chance uh, to double the lead for them and, and he, he didn't take it, which was which probably a disappointment for him. That when was he when he saw was, where he was turning the guy inside out, inside the box, but couldn't quite finish Well, there was it. two times, but there was the first time when he blazed it over the bar, when he had the goal at his mercy. So he would have been disappointed. Yeah. Uh, but I think St Johnston showed that in the second half, under Callum Davidson, I had a word with them and they came out much better in the second half, even when they were 10 men. don't think Dundee could really kind of find a rhythm after St Johnston went to 10 men. And Liam Craig took his goal so well. I thought St um, Johnston were a lot more attacking than I thought they were going to be a lot more open. Like they, they made the pitch a lot wider than they thought they were going to. It was better when O'Halloran went off. When he got sent off, they were a far better team. And you could tell he was getting sent off because he was flying into tackles. <laughs> was it a better team or is it that the game was more fun to watch because it's more open? Uh, no, just a better team, I would say. Very, very strange. Up next, we're going to talk about Aberdeen against Rangers. Morelos just pokes it through for Ryan Kent. He's onside, it's Ryan Kent with a great chance and he slots it in. And there is the opening goal of the Scottish Premiership season. And it goes the way of Rangers. And it goes the way of Ryan Kent. It's been on the cards. Rangers have the breakthrough at Pitodri. It was the first match of the season and it was an easy winner for Ryan Kent. It's Steven Gerrard's side took three points against Aberdeen. And to make matters worse, JJ's I'd have a team of 11 Andrew Considines was sent off with five minutes remaining. I remain true to that statement. <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, you, yeah. you, you don't want them in your fantasy football team anymore, do you, JJ? <laughs> Absolutely, you do. I mean, sure enough, a red card. And I don't know what he's thinking lunging into that challenge. Like, I guess you can't go into 50... You have to go into 50-50, right? So what I'm trying to say is that you can't give up that 50-50 challenge, especially against a player like Scott Arfield. In a game against Rangers, you have to go in strong to the to the battle. But you can't lunge in with a straight leg like that with, with momentum behind you. It's a terrible challenge. Yeah, I think, I think it was the momentum that kind of... Because I, I looked at the way Arfield was going into it. He was going into it quite full-bloody too, but nowhere near the ferocity that... Constantine was doing but oh, let's yeah. talk about Rangers and, and their win Gerard said that his side have laid down a marker with this match I mean we've heard this before haven't we <laughs> <laughs> well we said last week mind that uh, this is the kind of game that and literally a game that they have drawn with Aberdeen before and those mm. crucial two points dropped are the kind of things that they can't afford to do if they're going to push Celtic all season long blah 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 but uh, in terms of the marker I'm not sure they put a marker down I don't think they were great they were clearly much better than Aberdeen yeah, uh, they oh, still lack. Yeah, they lack that killer instinct that Gerard's been talking about for a long time. I think they should have put two or three past them. It's. Not, I don't think they had that much of a difficult time. <laughs> no, the and game, it was. Do you know what really impressed? I really impressed me. Uh, Joe Aribo in that first half. He uh, had he some did. really wonderful first touches, and he looked like he could be that kind of player, like. Um, they can just make them tick a little bit. If they need yeah, to give it to someone, they can give it to him and he'll make something happen. He fell off a little bit in the second half, but I think we can expect that from a lot of teams in the first maybe couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I agree with that, yeah. But we, um, 
we have a few questions in as well, which we'll get to in a, in a little minute. But are, if we look at Aberdeen, are they are they missing a bit of match practice as well? Did they, uh, they didn't seem like they were really up for the match at all. Uh, I don't know if it's that. I think well, one of the things that's weird about Aberdeen, right, is that in those big games, all the dads come out and they say that um, they should have a go, should have a go against them. And while I'm inclined to agree it's nice to go and attack teams at Rangers because they are vulnerable when you push them and press them, uh, all that happens then is you open up and you concede uh, in a different way. So sure enough, like by staying tight, the game was boring to watch. Uh, it was mm. really slow tempo, which you can, which happens with the, I think the lack of crowd. That's natural. And the first game back, uh, in all those different circumstances, that makes sense too. And Aberdeen have been out or without their strikers as well. Yeah, Curtis it means out. There's a whole bunch of tactical stuff that's going on here, and like the thing, the same things that we noticed at the end of last season were were prevalent, right? So they they play all they focus all the play down the wide areas, and it comes to the fullbacks. So Andy Constein and uh, uh, Ronnie Hernandez were the two fullbacks. They were they played the most progressive passes or the most passes that bypassed any opposition player uh, of Aberdeen players on the pitch. Now you'd think it goes through the midfield, so they've got these three. Uh, Funzo Ojo was. Uh, he had a bit of a, a mayor. He couldn't get control of the game. I think he was just a step behind everyone else. Uh, mm-hmm. Craig Bryson, I'm not sure he played a forward pass the entire game. And uh, Lewis Ferguson was having to try and do a lot more himself to try and take on that midfield. And if you think, like, like McInnes has put that midfield together, then you think the midfield should be there to try and progress play through the midfield. That's what Motherwell do, is they pass out from the goalkeeper to defender to midfield and they play through the middle because they stretch the pitch. Aberdeen stretch the pitch with their wide players, but the wide fullbacks are so... They're not forward enough. So they, they, they could be 10, 15 metres higher up the pitch. So it's a vertical pass out to them, like a diagonal pass. Instead, it's sideways. Then their only option is to knock it in the channel. And then a player mm-hmm. chases it, Rangers win it back, and then play comes. And you see how... I think they just lack confidence in possession... It's one of the things that keeps happening. And, and what I was trying to say earlier is what's funny with Aberdeen is that a lot of people attributed that to the crowd putting pressure on them. So they were mm. rushing it. They can't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about the tactics. Do you think that will change in the next game? We had a question in from Ryan who asked, after Aberdeen's start against Rangers, with them continuing to play hoofball towards a five foot eight striker who thrives off, a, off close control, can you see a change in tactics or can you see it staying the same throughout the season? I don't think there will be a change in tactics. And uh, it's one of the things... So uh, I spoke to Derek McInnes during the break. I uh, got a chat with him. I didn't, don't think I even published a story that I didn't it, with him. But I asked him about this. Like, So how do you feel? Like, so sometimes you look frustrated on the sidelines when uh, one of your defenders hoofs the ball forward. And I, I said to him, obviously you've signed this midfield. I assume you want to be able to play through there. I don't think for a minute you're trying to... Uh, uh, you're, you're spending your week in training teaching them to launch the ball into outer space every single time. But he points out that... Like a lot of the time, the space is behind the defence, or the space is even in other places. So a long ball is often the right choice. And then points out how sometimes like Celtic will score a goal by doing that same thing. But there's a difference between knocking it long, I think, and playing playing long at the right times. Ash Taylor has the ball every time he launches it, and you think like so. Bruce Anderson is a really tidy player. A lot of people have moaned how he hasn't had enough of a chance. But the way Aberdeen are set up is to try and progress play quickly to the striker and then build from there and hopefully win the second ball then your wide guys come in and they do all the fancy work, right? So you create by having those players in the wide areas. But Rangers just funneled Aberdeen wide, didn't really have too much to, to deal with. I think Kennedy was easily like taken care of. Hayes didn't really manage to do anything. Anderson used to come in, he would come and take the ball, lay it off, then nothing there. The boy Edmondson came on, I don't know what you made of him when, when he came on. I think he made a bit of a difference because he's a physical presence and that's kind of what they need. 
to take yeah, Big Space he's, Brothers. He's young as well, isn't he? What, he's only 19 years old. So he, I don't think you can expect too much from him. But maybe no, that's sure. what his job is going to be, is to be a bit more of an impact player at, at that kind of stage. I, I can't remember what time he came out in the second half. It was late in the but second it, half. But it's, it, yeah. means it's, it gives them a change. It's an option. It's someone like Cosgrove Tall. You can take the ball down, lay it off. Maybe getting behind. Anderson is better playing off another striker, which is a four-four-two, and then you lose control elsewhere in the pitch. And I think that's more important for McInnes to have control. I just like the, I'd like to see them stretch the pitch and play through the middle a bit more, play more progressive passes, have better positioning. And like I said for a little while now, I really think having an attacking coach in there would give them a lot of, a lot of help. Well, I mean, if if Aberdeen could play that way, it probably would have led to a more exciting game to watch because that's how Rangers played. Rangers just passed the ball around with ease, and it didn't nice, feel yeah. like a. Yeah, yeah, they they played good football. The only thing that lacked, that lacked was that element of, of just killer instinct. And Ryan Kent was the only one who showed it on the day. But, you know, for, for Rangers, in the situation that they are in at the moment, with Jermaine Defoe injured, question marks over Alfredo Morelos. I, I, I saw a few people in the media, you know, questioning, is he interested? Is he, is he we are not the media really up too, for playing Rangers? <laughs> and, and fair play to Sky Sports, they did put out that stat that in this game, he ran more than anyone, he had the most touches of anyone, and he had the more passes. His stats were, were, were more than what he had in uh, last season. Um, but good news for them is that they've brought in a new player, this lad from Anderlecht, K- Kimar Roof who seems to be, from what I've seen, JJ, I don't know what you've seen of him, he looks like he could be a decent player. Yeah, I'm, I've known about Roof for quite a while because he was always highly rated on Football Manager. <laughs> and you often see him talk. <laughs> I do. But he, he was also talked about quite a lot by um, uh, like English uh, journalists and, and football writers because he's one of those, when he was younger, he was, he was highly rated, like I said. And... Uh, I think he was at Leeds for a while, and I know yeah, big was, things yeah. were not big things were expected, but it, he was hopefully going to be one of these players that comes through and does things. He's quite classy on the ball. Um, he's one of these players, like a lot of these young English players that come through, who has a bit of skill about them. They're really clever off the ball. They know when to touch it on and, and mm. that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, from what I've seen from Roof, and it's mostly highlights. I don't, I don't think I've seen a full game of him play maybe ever. Was it was being consciously aware of it. But I went through all his Y Scout stuff earlier. Really tidy little player, really clever. Mm, clever yeah. touches. He reads the play really well, anticipates things. And um, there's one goal he scores for Anderlecht where uh, it's the kind of thing that I think would attract Rangers to him. The ball comes into him from his left. He's on the outside of the box. Ball comes into him from his left, um, and then he touches it with his f- his first touch on his right foot. Takes it away from the defender, back left. So he you know he wins the space and then bends it into the bottom corner. And it, it's kind of hard to describe when you're not because it's a visual thing, right? Football, but it's these kind of Smart moments, classy first touch, and then a great finish that will make the difference for Rangers in games when they're struggling to break down a, a tough team. I think I think it could be quite exciting. When I watched them on Y Scout, it kind of felt like, and I, I hate to be that kind of guy to, you know, bring Liverpool into this and the connotations of Gerrard and Liverpool, but. Robert Roberto it. Firmino's job, what he does for Liverpool, I can kind of imagine. Um, Roof being similar in the sense that he he brings more players into the game, so he'll receive the ball and he plays those clever passes. Uh, that's what I saw, JJ. But Maybe I, 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 well, I, I think he, he's different to Morelos in the fact that Rangers will try to find Morelos and Morelos will do the rest of the work. Yeah. Okay, he got an assist at the weekend, but I think Roof can can bring more play and be a bit more dynamic than than maybe Morelos is. 
I th- well, I'd actually say everyone else is the more dynamic is like the arrowhead, and I'd say Roof because he can play on in wide areas and he likes to drop into space. He's more like um, when you see that boy Memphis Depay, uh, Leon. Yeah. The way he can, well, he plays as a striker quite a lot, but he withdraws and goes wide. So I can kind of see what you mean, but I'd say he's definitely going to be a straight nine when he plays. It's, it's, anyway, it's good news for Rangers regardless. I think Florian Camberi rejected an offer from Rangers. Looks like he's going to leave Hibs and go to Switzerland. Bye. <laughs> uh, but there's European action for Rangers next going to face Bayer Leverkusen in Germany uh, try to turn over a 3-1 deficit I think it is it's going to be a tough ask but it's decent to still be in Europe in, in August <laughs> do you like that? yeah that's good so in the pointless at this stage table Rangers are third and in second it's Hibs Hibs who won 2-1 at home against Kilmarnock thanks to a double from Martin Boyle helped by Kelly's goalie being all at sea for the first. Kudos though to Kilmarnock after Chris Burke smashed in a free kick before half time but it wasn't enough to spur on Alex Dyer's side to do more. Um, do you know who impressed me in this game? <laughs> sounded so sadly into that. Alex Dyer. It's just, I, get, I, I see Dyer and I think, well, Kilmarnock weren't Dyer in this game. They had, they had more possession than Hibs. Why are you laughing at me? It's just funny the way you said it. Uh, yeah. So they had more possession. Killy, is that what you said? Yeah, they had more possession, more touches. Um, it's great having uh, whoscored.com with all this plenty of stats uh, all over the SPFL, yeah, which man. is That's excellent. True. But uh, Nisbet really impressed me, especially for the first goal, linking through to the first touch to take it round. I can't remember who the Kelly player was. And then to find Martin Boyle, who was fantastic. Yeah. A player that I think I said last week you should definitely have on your fantasy team and then I somehow did not put in my fantasy team. They're going to move on from that. Idiot. Yeah. Uh, whenever I hear a couple of things in this game, whenever I hear the name Nisbet, I think of Mrs. Nisbet from Toy Story <laughs> when, <laughs> when uh, Buzz Lightyear's gone nuts and is dressed up as the as Mrs. Nesbitt I can't remember like some tea something like that I think you've had enough tea for today. Let's get you out of here, Buzz. Don't you get it? You see the hat? I am Mrs. Nesbitt. Uh, I thought Hibs were set up on the counter and they broke down Kelly really, really quickly, really well, direct play. Um, I was surprised by how open Kelly were a lot of the times, but I think that was mostly because they were already 1 or 2 nil down at times, so they had to uh, open up to try and push them, right? Mm. Another thing, I don't remember seeing anyone ever score a free kick like Chris Burks in that game. How has he put that in the top corner from about 30 yards? It's all power. It's all power. Yeah, but, but, but not from Alan Power. Uh, it's funny, it does remind me of um, the, the Chris Boyd goal against Queen of the South in the Scottish Cup final. It was all just directness and just hitting it. How does that go in? I'm not a goalkeeper, but surely that's not hard to stop. Also, the wall. You notice the wall? The wall's about 15, 20 yards away, not 10. Is it 10 yards? Yeah, right? but it's Honestly, right on no the roof. Way 10. It's in the I roof know. of the corner. I don't, I don't know how much... Why is the so far away? I don't know. Marciano, tell us. Come on the podcast. How did Watch you let that... Watch this back. Yeah, that's a good idea. Come and explain why that wall was longer than 10 yards away. Because uh, that was nuts. But that's the only way they scored was a free kick. Uh, I said I'd be a bit worried about Killy this year because of all the squad changes and everything. I didn't see an awful lot in the... I've not watched the full game. Highlights and, and three speed watching through this one. So... yeah. Maybe as you can't possibly put a verdict on them just yet. But um, do you think Hibbs, do you think Scott Allen's going to be an important player for them again? Because he was, I loved how he took it round um, to Spola. It was absolute class. Yes, I think he will be very important. 
Excellent. Well, Kelly face Celtic next, and we'll chat about that match after this. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. Odds on Edwards' hat-trick more than secured Celtic's first three points of the season, overcoming Hamilton 5-1 at Celtic Park. I don't think... I certainly wasn't surprised, JJ, at the result. Um, but I was surprised at Hamilton and how they played. I thought they were really, really positive. Yeah, I absolutely agree. They, they were... They're a lot more attacking than I thought they were going to be as well. I yeah. guess it's a common theme. I thought a lot of more teams would be a lot more defensive than they have been. Maybe they've been, everyone's bored of just sitting back the whole game and then getting pumped in the end. Although, I mean, they did end up 5-1. <laughs> well, this is, this is it. This is it. There if was a big gulf play, of quality, wasn't there? If you try and play the same way against a team that plays that way ultimately 100 times better than you do, you're going to suffer. I think Celtic f- suffered that when they played the likes of PSG and Barcelona over the past couple of years. Oh, but they always set up defensive against those, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, We knew Hamilton were going to lose this, right? Uh, some positives from Hamilton in there. What did anything stand out for you from Celtic in this game? Anything you spotted from Neil Lennon's tinkering? Other than that they are haven't really lost any, you know, winning edge. They're just they're just too good. Especially it was the perfect opener for, for them to play a team like Hamilton when maybe Celtic would have probably wanted to have played a few more games um, for ma- match fitness and whatnot. But I, I really like the look of Callum McGregor. I thought he, again, has shown why he is probably, I'd say, the best you know midfielding, footballing midfielder in the league. Um, it was over 100 passes I saw he had. He had the number one passes. I said, I said about Ryan Jack having the second most passes uh, in the in the league. You that, love your pass stats today. I am all over it. Um, but Callum, Callum McGregor was just superb. Ran the game for Celtic, to be honest. Eduard would take all the plaudits because he's such a good goal scorer, his movement and the way he plays. But He's classy AF. Like he is- if, if, if Celtic don't have Callum McGregor, then they are a far different team. Um, and... They must be. They must be fighting off offers for him, um, as well as from from Edward, McGregor. But I think McGregor's ever. Yeah, they have to be fighting off offers from McGregor. Well, the rumor's always been Leicester. Yeah. 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 But I think you wouldn't want to sell McGregor for anything less than twenty five million. He's oh. that. He's that pivotal to Celtic. I would say so. I would say they get about ten to fifteen for him. I, I agree. He's classy. I don't think they get anything more than they're on fifteen, especially in this this weird, weird world we're in. I think. Yeah. Uh, po- possibly. Possibly. I think Ayer stood out as a, uh, I mean, he, he was at the number nine position a lot of the times. That's how much of the mm. ball they had to be able to get forward. I really liked Frimpong. He's a decent player. Plays like Danny Alves. Like runs, cuts inside, runs out, runs wide. And one of the things I noticed is that even though they stacked a couple of players against him, maybe McMahon and Hughes on the left against him, but every what to go outside one of them he did. Mm-hmm. And it's a difference in. Like, I always wonder what makes a player good. Like actually, what makes a player good is it the first touch? Is it the pace? What is it the way they read the game? But you can see how quick Frimpong is off the start. The Hamilton players just couldn't get close to him, and then Edward just floating in the score. But they are just miles better than everyone else in that league. Rangers yeah, are closer, I, but yeah. I can't, I can't disagree with that. Well, just one more match to talk about: St Mirren against Livingston. St Mirren had a flying start, JJ, um, with Richard Tate to thank as well with a, a goal. I don't think I've seen since Celtic had Henrik Larson. You know, <laughs> diving header. All, all Tate was missing with the dreadlocks. And Livingston will try and get the ball away. Only as far, though, as Jamie McGrath. Nice-looking cross, nice-looking header, and it's a dream debut for Richard Tate. Half an hour gone, 
just the start St Mirren wanted and just the start to his St Mirren career that these fans would have wanted for Richard Tate. This is another one that was good for an open weekend, right? So you had that weird Chris Burke free kick. How is that going in? I don't yeah. understand. Doesn't make sense to me. And then a diving header, which you never, ever see. You never see. Another thing that was weird as weekend. From, from a fullback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another, weird, another weird thing was when that, in the Motherwell game, Donnelly putting a penalty wide of the entire goal. Whenever players yeah. miss the, the goal from a penalty, it always goes over. Why? And I think he scored about four or five penalties for Motherwell last season too. Yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, it was a great opening weekend um, for goals and for stories. But let's let's stick with St Mirren because I think Jim Goodwin, your manager of the season last year, yeah, <laughs> um, he's 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 really built a team that I think could be just as defensively good as they were last year. Um, and Richard Tate, if he can continue scoring goals, then. What a force they could become. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna rely on Richard Tate this year, yeah. <laughs> He's gonna be their big source. Uh <laughs> Was it a surprise though, this result? Because Livingston did so well last year. I hadn't I had it done as a draw, I think. Uh I I, I think when they talked about it last week, I don't think Liv will be quite as good as they were um last season and St. Mirren underperformed last season. Same thing we talked about quite often. I really rate um, the manager at St Mirren he definitely drinks a lot of craft beer doesn't he he just looks like the sort <laughs> he's definitely got a brew dog tattoo or something like that uh, he definitely looks like the guy who shaves in the morning and it's back in the evening <laughs> what a full beard <laughs> yeah that's because of all of the wonderful craft beer that he drinks that could well be uh, I like Obika I know he doesn't uh, score often but I think he had quite a few last season this is a really loose stat so I'm going to just move straight away and remember the glory days again of last week when you called the goalkeeper Yak Almwick, and he made it into your fantasy team too. Yeah, I, I picked I picked Yak, and uh, yeah, I think he was in team of the season as well. Uh, team of the season, team of the week. Still to come, we're asking why there's no branding in the Premiership. We'll preview the fixtures and JJ, the amount of mess and messages you sent saying FFS this weekend. We'll give you some therapy on that next. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Game week one of Fantasy Football Scotland then, um, or FFS for short. We've all been done over in one way or another this weekend and I'm looking at you, Declan Gallagher, minus one point. How dare you? But you weren't yeah. in my team, so it's fine. Considine both got minus one. <laughs> is, that your, is that your FFS moment? One of many. I mean, the almost obvious FFS moment for me this weekend was uh, assuming I'd made Edward my captain. <laughs> you assumed? I mean, everyone's got a captain here. I had Christy down by accident as a captain. Uh, I noticed you had uh, Martin Boyle in yours, team. Yeah. That player, like I said earlier, I was convinced everyone should have, but then I didn't put him in myself. What am I doing, I mean, Andrew? No matter, no matter what you do, you cannot... It's just luck. I, I didn't want to VC uh, Christy because I wasn't sure if he would start. But Boyle, I, I knew would would definitely start just because he's got that. He's just got everything, and he's so pivotal to Hibs. We saw Hibs that last season. Striker as well. Well, yeah, this the is the assisted, thing. But it's a striker. It, that was good. I also appreciate that I'm top of the league, JJ. I don't know if you saw that. You're top of our private league, to be. Yes, to, I'm uh, top of our private league, but that's what um, matters. Well, there's one thing that we should probably have known before, because I didn't know this before, and it might help us going forward. But um, a lot of people might not have realised that uh, the captains and vice captains do something slightly different. This in this game, so captains get double points for everything, like a standard. However, and this is where you got more, you got points doubled from uh, from Boyle. Your mm. vice captain uh, means that you get double points for goals if they're a midfielder mm-hmm. or a forward. 
But if your vice captain is a defender or a goalkeeper, they get double points for clean sheets. So in so addition for to your captain... Uh, no, so your captain gets it for everything. So, um, you know, do whatever they want to do. But if you had Edward as your vice captain, you would have got double points for his goals. Pretty cool to know that. Kind of changes a lot of stuff for Yeah, it changes how you have to think about things. Um, yeah. I might I might think about it more. <laughs> I think I just got lucky, let's face it. But there you go. Let's look at the fixtures coming up. We've got St. Johnston versus Aberdeen. We've got Hamilton against Ross County. Livingston, Hibs. Motherwell, Dundee United, Rangers, St. Mirren, Kilmarnock, Celtic. First yeah. thing I've noticed, uh, do not put any attacking Aberdeen players in your fantasy football team. Or defenders. it's going to be a long season. <laughs> uh, I think you, if you're going to put Aberdeen players in, I think the way to do it is assume they're going to win every game about 1-0. And it, without Cosgrove taking the penalties, it's going to be someone else. So uh, even though Conson gets sent off, I think maybe looking at defenders or... Uh, or, or Joe Lewis is the way to go there. I, I can't read St. Johnson yet. That Liam Craig goal, I, I don't think he'll get another... It's a well-taken goal. He's not going to get as easy one as that again. Getting dropped yeah. in the penalty area, right? Yeah, so I'm not sure about that. Hamilton, I think you get cheap. They've got cheap options. And you can get players like uh, like Smith and people like that that'll definitely get a couple of goals here or there that you put on yeah. as a sub. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got David Moyo um, or Mayo um, up front. Moyo, isn't uh, it? Moyo. It's Moyo, isn't it? Not Moyo, Mayo. yeah. Yeah, yeah Moyo. <laughs> uh, but do you, know, do you know what also uh, stood out for me? How cheap Scott Allen is. Yes. He's only he was points, my value last week, remember? Three point, yeah, 3.7 million. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I, I, didn't, I didn't heed your advice. Um, he's someone that I'm going to look at. Um, if, you're a, if you've got St. Mirren defend, if you've got Richard Tate in, like I did, it's probably worth benching him. <laughs> okay, so I, like, I don't know. Rangers are going to hit some gear at some point. Um, it might be that. It might be this weekend. Yeah. So let's let's hear from some people that have questions for us. Dan Cartland has been in touch with five questions, but we're we're only going to choose one. And this is for you, JJ. Will Bryson keep starting over McGinn long term? Uh, Bryson is a difficult one to put in your team in the first place because I don't think he's really one that's going to give you assists or goals. He's very much a ball winner. Even if he plays as a ten, he's going to make tackles. Will be very susceptible to picking up bookings. And um, I, I just don't know if he's worth even having in the team, in fantasy football, in the real-life team, yeah. But McGinn was also one of the most prolific creators of chances for Aberdeen last season. I think he was their most most prolific creator of chances. So mm. at some point, McGinn will start. It might just be that he wasn't ready for this game. Not sure. We'll, we'll work out what how the teams look going forward. But yeah, I wouldn't... I would take Bryson out if you've got him. But I'm terrible mm. at fantasy football, as we've already established. The other thing we could look at is uh, like Ronald Hernandez will get starts at right back because Shea Logan's out injured just now. Also, he played really well. I think he was man of the match, actually, against Rangers for, for Aberdeen, right. obviously. But a really attacking fullback. Bruce Anderson will start just now. Possibly, uh, well, will he? Because it, it depends on who they're playing against. I think against teams where they'll play long to a player like Edmondson, then he'll come off the bench. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance he swaps a different setup so you can get them both in. But Anderson's cheap. So if you're going to put a cheap player in your team, he's one of the, I can't remember what he costs, something low, like 3.5, something like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely low. I had him in before the before the weekend came in. I swapped him out um, for, for Moyo just because I thought, I thought Hamilton would, would have scored, and they did, but it wasn't him, uh, which is annoying. But we, we also have another question, FPL... Liver girl or liver girl? I don't know. Um, but what are the guys' thoughts on Motherwell? They had a poor performance last night. Is this the start of a season blip or sign of things to come? I think personally, I think Motherwell were just unlucky. I think yeah, they were they actually poor at all. okay. I, I think they were okay in the game. If you think that um, they missed a penalty, Chris Long hit the post. 
you you know these chances are going to turn around for Motherwell. I think they'll be okay, and I think if you've got the like of Jake Hasty Turnbull, who I I don't think is going to be any less of a player than he was, he will hit the ground running at some point. Um, keep them in. I think they'll do okay. I think they'll turn it around pretty quickly. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. I, th- I think Motherwell with a. I think they actually played quite well, but it seemed rusty. A couple of little touches here that didn't quite go for them. I thought Hasty looked decent. He got 60 minutes. He'll probably get more mm-hmm. the next. Uh, we'll see more turn. He'll take, a, he'll take a while to get up to speed. Yeah, you're dead we, right. We also but, got um, Stephen Charles asked, do I get rid of Carl Tremarco? Is he injured or just not in the squad? I've got Tremarco in my team um, and I was a bit surprised not to see him. But reading reports, I knew he was coming in to be more of a experience head for 18 year old Josh Reed, um, who played in that game and, and seemed to do okay um, I don't know I don't know if he's injured I haven't heard anything uh, but he wasn't in the squad so I don't know if he's going to be playing much football for, for County but then how often do you want a County defender to be in your team with a couple of games that they've got coming up yeah, uh, another one, JJ Sutty Footy is putting an injured player into your starting eleven. The best tactic in order to ensure your highest scoring sub comes off your bench. Very devious. This mm. is the kind of tactic I fully condone. I like it. You trying to use the, <laughs> play the game in your favour, bend the rules. Uh, there's a kind of thing that I've not been able to. I never trust myself that it's going to work. But it makes sense, right? Because if you've got an injured player in there. Then it's gonna pick. You don't get to choose like one, two, three of your sub. It just puts the one with the most points in. Mm. So, so therefore, if you put a player in who's definitely not going to play or an injured player, does that that means that you're then gonna get um, the best sub in? So it's sort it's of a like bit of a getting... head scratcher. This, to be honest, it's yeah, it's hard to yeah. follow, but. Um... Yeah, that's all we have to say. Um, If you haven't already, head up to the App Store, search FFS, download the app and make your team and you'll be flying. Plus, there's a few pros playing like Martin Boyle, so you can pit yourself against them. Or Aaron McGowan, who's actually doing really well in the pros league. I think he's 11th with like over 100 points. Jammy or what. Um, But Boyle, by the way, vice-captained himself and earned 92 92 92. points this weekend. Yeah, not bad. I mean, I don't, I don't think many pros have picked themselves, to be fair. So, um, but maybe Boyle knows he's, he's the foil for Hibs this week. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. Time to get a few odds on those fixtures coming up and the like. Producer Abby joins me now to go through a few questions that might also be on your lips. Mm. First up, Rangers in Europe. Does it end here? I'm afraid it does, according to Paddy Power. Leverkusen are the heavy favourites, 8-13 to to win on Thursday, and Rangers are 4-1 to to get the away win. So, uh, yeah, look ahead to this season, not last season now, Rangers fans. Dan Kershan. Secondly, I fancy Ross County to get back-to-back wins for the first time since September as they face Hamilton away. What can I get for that? This is really tight, according to Paddy Power. Uh, Hamilton are 13-8 to to win, whilst Ross County are 8-5. to So uh, that is 0.025 difference between, therefore making Ross County just about the favourites here. Ooh. Finally, I'm not sure about a Considine-less Aberdeen. So St Johnston to win, please? Paddy Power are still going to be backing uh, Aberdeen against St Johnston in this one. They are 7-5 to win, despite being away from home, with St Johnston 2-1. to one. Oh, thanks, Abby. Uh, remember, gamble responsibly, and when the fun stops, stop. 
It may have escaped your attention, but the Scottish Premiership has no branding, no title sponsor, no separation on social media and from the rest of the SPL. It's got no foreign rights broadcast deals in places that make sense. If fans want to watch their team play, they have to sign up to the host's viewing platform and there's no uniformity in payment. In short, it's a mess. And a mess that was excellently written up in a thread on Twitter by Alex Marr. You need to go and check it out if you haven't already. It's really, really good. But here to unravel all of that, it's our good friend and editor at Copper 90, Finn Marks. Finn, let's start with the big one. Why isn't there a title sponsor for, for the Scottish Premiership? Um, that's a pretty good question. And quite frankly, I've got no idea. I think that should be a question Why, for, uh, Finn? for Why? Doncaster. <laughs> It's uh, I I find it baffling. Neil Doncaster is on close to what four hundred grand a year. I'm not entirely sure what he does. Like one of the main things that he should be doing as part of his job is is finding commercial opportunities for the league to to sell itself and to get sponsorship in. And I heard an interview that he he gave on the radio at the weekend basically admitting that it's not uh, we're not in an environment that's commercially attractive to people and he kind of blamed the whole situation on uh, the COVID-19 fallout that we don't have a league sponsor in Scotland. But mm. I honestly don't really buy that because uh, it, it was well known for months and months in advance of Corona ever hitting that the sponsorship deal that was in place for the league w- was coming to an end. And I find it odd to think that they hadn't started negotiations well in advance of, of, of the COVID situation ever taking place. Do we know if, if if he's even attempted to get a deal? I mean, surely he has been, um, but it's it's obviously a fair excuse to say that the COVID nineteen situation has has kind of hampered things. But do we know of anything, any progress at, at all? I don't think so. He's again in that that radio interview. He um, mentioned that apparently there was a deal in principle in place on March the eleventh, which was just before the UK went into lockdown, and and then the. After after lockdown happened, the company apparently then or backed out of that deal, and apparently the SPFL are actively looking for for sponsors of the league. But he's saying that it's a an environment that's not attractive commercially. So uh, I I don't really know what happens. I think it would be unusual for a sponsor to come in halfway through a season. Uh, I would yeah. be surprised if we were to get anything at the very earliest by January, but I would be surprised if there was a league sponsor at all this season. And it's not just sponsorship either, it's it's broadcast rights abroad. You know, there's plenty of Scots abroad that want to watch um that you know, Scottish football content, but they can't at the moment because there's not that many deals abroad. What what's the situation with that? Well exactly. I mean you've got for example, it within the SPFL you've got uh, the captain of the Canadian national team playing mm-hmm. in, in, in our league. Um, who's one of a number of, you know, just a number of players that are, are, are internationalists for different countries around the world where there would be significant interest. But it's interesting specifically for Canada because, you know, two of the largest expat communities of Scots in the world is Canada and the USA. And the SPFL has absolutely no broadcast partner in either one of those countries for the coming season. So um, it's not just for... Scottish expats or or fans of Scottish football in those countries who have no way legally of seeing Scottish football this season but it's it's it just makes our league less and less relevant to casual viewers and and, Mm -hmm. and neutral spectators there's no chance for them to see our game at all 
And it's bizarre because we know, even ourselves, we know how much we love our own game and that, that will definitely transcend abroad. So I don't see how it could be a difficult thing to achieve. Did you see that uh, Twitter thread by Alex Marr? Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I, I thought it was great because it pulled into kind of one space a, a lot of the issues that are um, prevalent with the, the SPFL in not really doing a, a satisfactory job I think yeah, that's just putting it mildly <laughs> uh, but I think it's it's part of a, a much wider conversation on uh, I think what is a very unified consensus that they're not really good at doing anything particularly well I think if you look and I know this has been kind of talked about ad nauseum but just the fallout from everything that went on during lockdown and, and the league being ended, I, I don't think there's there was one point where the SPFL came out looking like they were in control of the situation. I think as well, it's not just the fans, um, but when you've got people like the Aberdeen chairman, Dave Cormack, absolutely slating the SPFL just this summer for having no vision and no brand strategy. And that that's someone who's very much in the kind of business worlds that the SPFL should be operating in and, and knows how to uh, leverage commercial deals and backing. When you've got somebody at that level calling it out as being dreadful, then I think there's a very real problem to be had. And I think the sad thing for me as well is that it's nothing new. I think this yeah. has been something that's plagued Scottish football for a long time. Uh, a, a number of years ago, I think it was uh, around about 2014, you had um, Barry Hearn Speaking at the SFA, uh, Barry Hearn's the, the man who helped revolutionise snooker and boxing and darts and a number of other sports in the UK and, and around the world. And it's interesting because back in 2014, also the league had no sponsor. And at that time, he, he was talking about that situation and he said that Scottish football chiefs were lazy, full of self-pity and have a defeatist attitude and that if he worked for them, he'd be sacked. And he said that it, not having a league sponsor is absolutely unthinkable. And I know it's kind of, you know, he's, he's well known for, for calling a spade a spade and, and being very sensationalist. But um, I, I don't think an awful lot has changed. There's certainly no evidence to me that that has, has ever changed this will all affect, you know, prize money as well, won't it, Finn? Uh, I, I think so, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> um, I think at a time when Scottish football is is desperate for any kind of um, income that it, c- it can get coming into the game, to not have uh, sponsorship or, or prize money coming in from those revenues is really quite troubling. Um, Doncaster has said that he's uh, trying to get a deal in place that would at least equate the the sponsorship deal that's that's been in place for the last couple of years, which was never a huge amount of money anyway. But like I said before, I I'm not confident, given their track record and being able to secure a sponsor for this season, which would uh, leave a lot of clubs, I think, particularly the bottom end of the league system, in in pretty dire straits. Finn, what are they what are they missing out on? What what opportunities could they be taking advantage of? I think the biggest thing is that in, in trying to market or sell anything, and I, I don't work in marketing, but I think it's trying to find your unique selling point. Uh, and I think there are plenty of those in Scottish football that we just don't take advantage of. I think um, even if we stick with the current league system, I think the split is something that is interesting, intriguing, beguiling, bewildering to some football fans who are neutrals. But I think that's something to sell. I think the history of our game, I think the fans in our game are pretty much second to none you know per capita we have pretty much consistently the most well-attended league in the whole of Europe and um, I think 
you know, probably outside of uh, Rangers and Celtic, pretty much every position in the league is unpredictably at risk, I guess. Like any team can finish anywhere, as we saw with Hearts last season being bottom of the pile. I think changing a lot of the stuff around social media would go a long way to helping that. I think as well, maybe one thing um, that really needs to happen, and I, I don't know how you make this happen overnight, but I think a change potentially in psyche and mentality, because I think in, when you look across the border to the EPL, they're very good, the fans down there, of believing their own hype that it is the best league in the world. And I think the kind of traditional Scottish mentality is to be a bit dour and a bit kind of um, self-deprecating <laughs> and putting you putting yourself down. And I think if, if you can't build yourself up, how are others going to believe that your product is really good? So I think part of it is in that too. But I think really trying to uh, latch on to the USPs in, in our game is is where the, the light would would exist for, for us going forward. Finn Marks, editor at Copa 90. It's not uh, not great at the SPFL with all these uh, different broadcasting opportunities. We'll, call, we'll look at it optimistically. Uh, Slaven, you have watched a lot of the club's own work in making their hashtag fresh content. Uh, what do you think as a broadcasting man? I can't say... <laughs> uh, I can't say I watched all of it. I, I basically I signed up to... Don't the tell me your secrets. One. <laughs> I signed up to Dundee United to watch their game because I've I followed Mickey Mellon's career for quite a while since he was down in the National League with Tramier Rovers. Um, so I was interested to see how he got off. But I'm just really impressed by the the real professionalism and the, the high level of content that clubs in the SPFL are wanting to, to put out there. So the likes of some of the top broadcasters that clubs have brought in. So Ross County have got Rory Hamilton, Stephen Cragen, who we know from, from BT Sports coverage. Aberdeen as well got Rob McLean in um, to do Red TV. And they've even yeah. got like, the likes and of Derek, Derek Ray. Ray, who you mentioned last last. The, um, the guest they had so. on for the broadcast on Saturday was uh, Graham Shinney and Paul Hartley. Like really that's good. A, that's amazing. That is, I, I mean, if you're a fan, you're getting really really good content to enjoy watching your club we've got Hibs who've got David Tanner who we remember who used to be the anchor for for Sky Sports coverage and they, they had um, Tam McManus on Co-Coms with mm-hmm. Cliff Pike Celtic have got Sunset and Vine who are a you know a TV production company that that do every a lot of things for BT Sport and a lot of other um, people but who looked yeah, yeah. after the Scottish TV the uh, Scottish sport stuff for for BT Sport and Rangers have got the likes of Emma Dodds um and even Clive Tildesley as Amazing. their as their commentator um he'll share I think he'll share comms duties with the regular Tom Walker so I mean just the level of broadcaster they're bringing in um, is just just fantastic and really exciting if you're a fan and if you don't subscribe to you know your your you know Rangers TV, uh, uh, Red TV and, and the likes, you know you are probably going to get good to- good content. But there's there's you've got to pay money and I think the cheapest pay per view is Motherwell at twelve pounds. Dundee United was twelve pound fifty. I think the highest is Livingston with twenty pounds. I might be wrong with that. It might be less than that, but I think the highest was twenty quid. So I think you 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 are getting value for money with quite a few of these clubs and I, I just think it's a really good sign. Really good sign to see. I agree. I, I wonder whether I mean it seems a bit nuts that there's not a central platform like a, a streaming channel like Twitch, YouTube. I it's Kind of beggars 100%. belief to me that the, the SPFL haven't seen. They must have talked about it. I can only assume 
that there are certain clubs, I mean, there's a lot of noise, you can't ever confirm this, certain clubs don't want to particularly share all of the revenue stream that would come in because some of them would be heavily weighted. 100%, because if you look down in England, you have um, PLP, Premier League Productions, they do all of the productions for the world. So all the foreign broadcasting rights, they have a central platform that goes out to everybody and it's, you know, it's review shows, it's preview shows. So for the SPF, it's a lot of money to invest um, to build something like that. Um, but I think the Premier League did that a long time ago and they're reaping the rewards of it. And it's just, like you said, it's 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 frustrating because the the quality of the product here in Scotland is so passionate. Um, and, and, you know, it comes down to that level of, you know, you see players like Andy Robertson, even Virgil van Dijk that come through the Scottish game and they end up becoming world-class players. People want to know the stories of these people and for us to not deliver that at a high quality level is sometimes really disappointing. Aye, I just meant like, they don't have to build a whole studio and have a whole like thing they present and and give out with loads of extra extra stuff. If there's one central streaming thing that everyone subscribes to and the clubs already have this excellent stuff in place already, I don't see why it couldn't just be that you pay a tenner a month and then everyone can log in to the same content curated by the individual clubs. But anyway, which is, which is interesting. I'll actually I'll, I'll shout out to the 12th man um, on Twitter who are collating a bunch of um, fan run content um and putting it all in one place it looks like it could be quite interesting um if you're wanting to find a lot of content in one place so um good luck to them actually i think it's quite a good idea um but that's it that's it for today thanks for listening thanks to benji palmer for joining us finn marks as well and to the little kicks for their theme tune um if you want to hear us without ads and odds then get yourself an athletic free 30-day trial by heading to the athletic.com forward slash scottish show but that's us jj next week we'll be back with more until then see you next time we've had a great time goodbye <laughs> you've been listening to the totally scottish football show a muddy knees media production for sales and advertising please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com keep up to date with everything across our totally football network at the totally show on twitter and insta and be sure to check out our website the totallyfootballshow.com muddy knees media <laughs>